What's going on, everybody? This is episode 147 of the Clappercast. I'm Burke, and as always, joined by Sean. Sean, what's going on? You know, it's this is this is an amazing few days for hockey because usually there's a bit more of a gap between the draft and free agency, but we've got like an absolutely exciting like what 96 hours or so here with the draft on Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday, free agency on Saturday. Did you enjoy all three picks that the Oilers had? Oh, absolutely. They were, they were. I I was on the edge of my seat waiting for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> until until day two of the draft. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I thought I thought um, it was an interesting one, um, where there was some some drama, some intrigue, but. Uh, Day one of the draft was a little bit of a letdown because there was no trades made related Which, yeah, to that, the draft, really. Well, there um, was, like, nothing. It was – we're going into this expecting a whole bunch of guys to start getting moved for, for picks and stuff and to free up cash space for free agency and, like, re-signing players, but it's – everything happened in the lead-up, and then during the draft it was just boring. Like, no – we did not get a chance to boo Gary Bettman, you know? Yeah, True. Um, I think, I so think yeah, that's speak, the biggest letdown. Speaking of some of those trades, why don't we just talk about those before we get into the actual draft? Um, Let's do it. So, I guess the, the big one since the last one we put out was um, uh, the Ryan Johansson trade, where Nashville sent him at 50% retained to Colorado in exchange for Alex Galchenyuk, and then immediately said that they have no plans to sign yeah. <laughs> Alex Galchenyuk. <laughs> So um, Alex Galchenyuk's nickname is apparently Future Considerations. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, this this one kind of is in that type of trade uh, where it's just like clearing cap space um, and getting really nothing back because that's a asset in itself, right? Yeah. Um, so Colorado trying to make some um, improvements down the center depth and i i heard a r- i saw a rumor that nashville was looking to buy out johansson anyway so they're able to avoid a cap penalty and you know get yeah, um, half of his contract off the books if yeah if, if those are the two options like someone either takes him at half price or you buy him out like you take their salary retention any day because now now they pay four million for two years instead of you know probably that amount for four years i don't know how the buyouts work exactly but <clears throat> they'd end up having two years on the end of that where they're paying more than they would it, where they're pay, still paying Johansson on the cap. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, like, Johansson had a down year. Probably will do better in Colorado. Um, with better systems and team and just a better team overall. Um, and that 50%, you know, that's more reasonable than his, his original cap hit, so. Yeah, and you know, chances are he's going to be playing probably second line. So $4 million for your second line center is pretty good for a team like Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is probably a, a pretty good trade for both teams. <coughs> um, and then I, I want to talk about a couple trades together. Um, next, next. Where the first of them was Arizona acquired Sean Dersey from the LA Kings for 2024 second. That was originally from Montreal. Um, 
so there was a before the off season even started i think there was like a um a quote from some gm that was like oh you gotta expect a trade out of la because they're a right-handed defenseman like farm um and they've already traded two of them <laughs> um with sean walker and Dursey here um so that was bang on for whoever that gm was um they acquired this second round pick um, and then a couple days later, they acquired Pierre-Luc Dubois in exchange for that second-round pick, Gabriel Villardi, Alex Iafalo, and Rasmus Kupari to the Jets. Um, so it's a little bit of twisted irony that it's a Montreal pick going to the Jets in this, considering <laughs> you know all the rumors about Dubois wanting to go to Montreal. Um, but what, what do you think about what LA's kind of done here? Um, with, with I both think they've traits. the the Jersey one. I think like obviously that like you're like that GM said it had to happen. I mean, the whole intention is that what I think it's is Brant Clark is supposed to be getting close to if not NHL ready, and like those two are the same defender basically. They're like offensive dynamos and us in us essentially. So Jersey's expendable. He goes to Arizona. Arizona makes out great with this one because how weak their roster is, he's basically going to be playing like every single minute, every single power play minute. Like he, it's going to be an amazing opportunity for him. So Jersey's like Jersey's in a good situation here. Um, I personally do not like the Pierre Luc Dubois trade um, and extension. I think. Let me preface that by saying I think this makes Los Angeles a much better team, and I think this gives them the good players that they need right now to make that next leap to competitiveness. What I don't like is, A, as an Oilers fan, L.A. just got a lot better next season. They just got a lot harder to play against because Dubois is a categories guy. Like he'll put up, He'll hit, he'll block shots, he'll do all that stuff that makes it harder to play against the team. And I also don't like it because that amount of money for a guy with a 60, 60 or 65 point career high who has a history now with three different organizations in his career, I think one in junior and two NHL organizations that he sort of said, I want to trade, like try to force his way out. And they go and give him an eight year deal, 8.5 per season, million per season. Um, I think Winnipeg got an amazing return. Because the underlying numbers indicate Velarde is about the same, if not better, than Dubois and his impact on the ice. Now we'll see how that is affected by a team, because Los Angeles obviously better than Winnipeg. We'll see how that's affected by Velarde's health, for example, because that's always been a concern too. But they also get an NHL ready forward with Ayafalo. Kupari is a somewhat promising mid-level prospect and another draft pick. Like They got a lot for Dubois, considering that Dubois kind of forced their hand and like you know, everybody knew he wanted to trade to specific teams, and they still managed to get a haul for him. So great, good on Winnipeg. You know, Los Angeles, they're better next season, but I don't like the move or the extension for him. But an interesting, an interesting sequence of events for sure. Yeah, I think it's a. I agree with you for Jersey. Like, I think he'll get an absolutely great opportunity in Arizona, running the power play. He looked really good in LA when he was on the power play. It's kind of a bit of a specialist. Um, needs to work on his defense but 
when Dowdy was out two seasons ago, he played really well. Um, there was a there was a quote that I saw about Dursey that it's like, and any given night he is either team's best player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it was like the first <laughs> game in the season. I think last season he like had a massive turnover in overtime and then was like benched for or scratched for a few games. Um, so he's still got to like kind of develop a bit, but he I I like Dursey. I think he's a good player. Um, but yeah, he's totally a casualty of him being absolutely stacked. Um, prospects wise, um, and then just clear a little bit of cap. Um, he's not making a lot; like he's at one point seven. Um, but you know, he'll get an opportunity to play first power play in Arizona, um, and he kind of fits the age group of, um, I guess Clayton Keller, <laughs> and I don't know if who else you want to lump into like the core in Arizona, Krause, um, Hayden. I don't know some of their very recent do, draft picks. Do, do they have uh, a core at this point? Yeah, no, you're you're it's right. It's Keller, it's Keller, <laughs> Keller, and I mean Kraus is pretty a uh, fan favorite there. So probably Schmaltz, maybe. Yeah, but anyway, so he could he could get flipped, uh, or he could be you know a guy that they hang on to. Um, they've they've done a pretty good job of like you know with Goss's bear before he looked so much better in Arizona than he did in Carolina. Um, so either way it goes, I think it's a smart move. And then yeah, I agree with you for the all the points that you, you mentioned about LA and Dubois. Um, yeah, Villardi has better five on five numbers um, than than Dubois. He scored more goals, I think, five on five in less games and less ice time per game um, than Dubois did. And he didn't really get a lot of power play time in LA. So I think if he can get that in Winnipeg. He could definitely explode. Which, um, um, which given, <coughs> pardon me, given, I mean, now there's a hole where Dubois was. There's expected to be a hole where Wheeler is. And there's expected to be possibly a hole where Shifley is. So Velarde basically has like a free pass into the top six at this point. Yeah. So I think I think he's a great addition. Um, again, I think he, just like Dursey, suffers from LA having a really deep prospect pool. And them prioritizing like guys like Quentin Byfield um, over him um, and Kaliev. Um and then I follow like the Jets have said that they want guys who are ready to play. I follow is a solid roster addition, like middle six guy. And then Kupari, I think, is more of like a defensive type of type of player. Um, so solid if they can sign him. I guess they have to sign both Velarde and Kupari. Um, and then a set 20, 24 second from Montreal, who's probably not going to be hot <laughs> by by that time. Um, so, and then like you said, considering the, the leverage or lack thereof, I think they did really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll move on. Um, the... Chicago Blackhawks got Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno and then immediately signed t- Nick Foligno to, because what, a $4 million contract for one yeah. year? Um, and they gave up Ian Mitchell and Alec Regula to, <laughs> to the Bruins. So the Bruins just clearly dumping cap space here. Um, Which, I mean, in our last episode, we talked about how much they needed it and how much uh, you, were, you were interested to see what they did to clear some cap space. Yeah, so this gives them some flexibility for sure. Um you know Taylor Hall looked like he was a, was a good addition there, but 
clearly, you know, they they need they need money. Um, so I think this is a solid addition for the Blackhawks. Like get in a guy who, you know, has an MVP season under his belt. Um, can play with Bedard because there was like, who was he gonna play with before this? Athanasiu. Um, <laughs> Basically, that was their top line: Bedard and Athanasiu. And so I think, um, Taylor Hall I think has like a d- bit of a different reputation now than he did like when he was in Edmonton was a bit of like a ass <laughs> I guess off ice <laughs> um but I think he's kind of matured and but the addition of Nick Foligno I really like for the Blackhawks as like a mentor type guy for a, a kid like Bedard I think that's a smart pickup and it helps them get to the floor that's yeah that's the key it's like oh sweet six million dollars we can get to the floor here um one interesting note about taylor hall is i believe he, you know he he's got a lot of experience playing with uh, first overall picks in their rookie season i think he's uh i think this is his sixth since in his career now that he's going to be playing with in their rookie year wow so that's... basically half of the i think it's basically half of the players who've been drafted first overall since he was drafted have played with taylor hall in their rookie season that's insane. <laughs> I guess that's what happens when you're the uh, lottery draft specialist, right? So Basically, yeah. It's just kind of surprising that this has happened after Chicago won the lottery with Taylor Hall's reputation. You'd think that he would have been there before, <laughs> and then they would have won. Uh, based um, off his previous reputation, that is how it would have uh, made sense to happen. <laughs> yeah funny um but yeah again like this is just you know the the Bruins don't really get anything from this but they get cap space but they need it so there's a lot of wingers being flipped around for forwards I guess just being flipped around for like nothing it just shows that there's a there's immense value in just getting cap space Um, because this next the next trade is St. Louis Blues acquired Kevin Hayes at 50% retained for a 2024 sixth. Um, so Flyers just get a sixth round pick for, I don't know, low tier second line center, mid like third line center, um, and they retain for three whole seasons. Um, so yeah, <laughs> considering the um, initial reports on what this trade was supposed to be this is incredibly disappointing and it's also um it's also crazy that i'm pretty sure hayes led the flyers in scoring last season yeah probably him or like, Konechny, i would say yeah. probably I, unless hayes got scratched too many times at the end of the season <laughs> and lost it to connect yeah let me take a quick look oh it was Konechny. yeah yeah Konechny had 61 points in 60 games hayes had 54 and 81 so there, there was a point at which uh, Hayes, I miss, I'm assuming the one game he missed was when he got benched slash scratched for whatever Tortorella. Yeah, he would miss like entire periods of games because Tortorella just stapled him to the bench. So Yeah, so it's, to me, this one just screams uh, John Tortorella didn't like him and said trade him. Um, that That's about all it really says to me. So hopefully getting a fresh start in St. Louis with a bit you know, maybe some different and or better players around him, better system, better thing that works for him. Just kind of a fresh start. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean I th- I think I think Daniel Breer said like there's players in the on the on the roster that don't fit our timeline, they don't fit our coach, they don't fit what we're looking for. So I think it's not really surprising that he's yeah. one of those guys. Um yeah. you know. Um and then yeah, like you said, like this this was gonna be like a massive trade and then it just is like he's at fifty for a sixth. Okay, move along. So kind of kind of interesting. Um, there's another guy in Philly that a lot of teams seem to be in on, and that's Travis Sanheim. So we'll see if something kind of happens there. Um, moving on, Colorado, I think made a couple of smart moves here. Um, they traded Alex Newhook, who's an RFA, to the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for Gianni Fairbrother, a 2023 first and a 2023 second. Um, that first was Florida's pick, which was was number thirty one, and they got uh, the second round pick was number thirty seven, and then they ended up flipping that second round pick to the Tampa Bay Lightning for Ross Colton, um, his signing rights, another RFA, and he has pretty similar numbers to Newhook, so it's like they basically swapped players and got a first, so I thought that was pretty solid general management well don't forget they also they also got a future uh lady bing winner in Fairbrother. okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's very fair brother <laughs> yeah but um no I, I i like ross colton as a player i think he's i think he's a great kind of like midline forward edition like like a prototypical like third liner i don't know it seems odd that they gave up on new hook but I also see that they got quite a bit for him, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. That they basically, like you said, got an equivalent player, a prospect, and a first-round pick, which is pretty good when you kind of consider, like, you know, value and and, and stuff, how uh, some of the other trades went down. Yeah, and I think maybe Ross Colton might be slightly cheaper. Um, and they've, they've got quite some important guys to sign. Um, like Bowen Byram, they got to sign. Um, I think that they want to re-sign JT Comfer. He's a U- he's a pending UFA, but I think that I saw a thing that said that they wanted to keep him. So I think yeah, Newhook, he's a promising player. Montreal already had a you know a pretty pretty good draft um, position. So flipping that pick makes sense. Um, and this also, um, I'm pretty sure I heard right away that, like, either San Luis said this just in public or said it to no, said it to Newhook and it just got released, but how it's like, okay, you're going to come in here, you're going to get a chance. Like, we want to see what you can do. You're going to get a chance playing with good players in the top six. Like, it's a very, like, Marty San Luis, I don't want to say reclamation project, but just a Marty San Luis player. Yeah. That, you know, young prospect who maybe hasn't been as like outstanding as he as the hype around him was. So he's like, "Hey, you're coming in here. You're gonna get a great shot here. Like, you know, floors open type thing." Yeah. Um. So, good luck to to both those guys, Ross Golden and Newhook. Um, Newhook's a BCHL legend. So, good luck to him. Um, <coughs> I guess the next trade here is the Devils flipped out Mackenzie Blackwood Blackwood to the San Jose Sharks for a 2023 sixth. Um, 
So they've they've got their tandem, I guess. There might be some action on that front where they try and bring a different goalie in. But, you know, they had three guys and Blackwood was on the way out. Um, yeah, they weren't. I don't think they were going to sign him anyways because this is a signing rate to sent to San Jose. So I don't think they were going to keep him. And they basically yeah. just got a sixth instead of letting him walk for nothing. So, yeah, smart. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, Calgary Flames dish Tyler DeFoley to the New Jersey Devils um, in exchange for Jaeger Sharon Govich and a 2023 third. So DeFoley said he wanted out. Um, and the, the context around that w- like came out too, or he said like he was ex- um, like would have been willing to entertain an extension, but like they didn't when they didn't really come back with one. He was like, okay, well yeah. trade me then. <laughs> Which it's like what is it with Toffoli not getting offered extensions? <laughs> I don't know. It's weird that it's happened twice <laughs> now. Um, good pickup for the Devils, honestly. Yeah, I mean, um, I think he led the Flames in points. Yeah. So. Yeah, goals and or points. Um, yeah. They get someone who's going to fit in, in their, you know, be a better fit in their, probably their second line than what Sharon Govich was in the lineup. Um, I it, it seems like maybe this is the start of Calgary blowing it up. Like, it's obviously a downgrade in terms of value, like Sharon Govich, and it's it's also just Sharon Govich's signing rights. I don't know if there is an extension yet. They did they did sign him to two year three point one. Okay, okay, so Calgary saves a little bit of money. Not that they need it for anything. They shouldn't need it for anything. But um, you know, honestly, the Devils get what they need out of this, and it. It, it's making them look even harder to play against next season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, their their top six looks really insane. I do like Sharon Govich as a player. I think that their contract extension for him was a little bit rich, but um, the effort's there for him, and, like, he got scratched a bit um, with Lindy Ruff. When Jack Hughes first came into the league, it looked like he had a lot of chemistry with Jack Hughes, but with the the, the guys that they have, they have, like, better offensive players to play with Hughes. Um, so he fell down the lineup a bit. But, you know, I think he, he's a pretty good player. He's got a pretty good shot. Um, so he could, he could you know, reach that 20-goal um, mark again, uh, maybe 25 in uh, Calgary. So I think, I think he was also really well-liked by the fan base of the Devils. Um, but, yeah, that's definitely an improvement for the Devils. Um, this is kind of a trade that I was curious or interested in talking to you about because <coughs> it kind of displays my thoughts on a team. Um, but Vegas traded Riley Smith to Pittsburgh in exchange for a 2024 third. So celebration's probably over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back to this, business uh, here. What did I say when when you texted me about this one? I was like, this is the mo- like we were saying how this is like the most Vegas trade that could happen. Yeah, and um, very Vegas. <laughs> you know, it fits the Vegas mo, like you said, and it's incredibly disrespectful to <laughs> an original, like inaugural team member who just helped guide your team to their first Stanley Cup. Like, what is it? A week and a half after they win the cup, like a week after the parade, and they ship out one of the original six that in in the final game of the playoffs they made a huge deal about sending out. 
a full line of their inaugural players that were left on the team. They made a huge deal of that. It was this awesome, like, heartwarming moment. And then they go and ship one of them out. Like, was was the intention, like, oh, well, we don't want to keep one of them on the bench, so we have to trade one so we can have all five of them go onto the ice at the same time next season? Like, is that is that their intention? or? I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, it's definitely a uh, very Vegas move. Yeah. Next, next man up kind of guy. Especially because, like, what was it, less than half an hour after the trade was announced, they signed Barbashev? Yeah, they wasted no time. Same exact cap hit. Um, yeah. The guy who's younger, um, he's the better player, I think, at this point. Um, but Riley Smith had a good season points-wise. Um, so, I don't know, Barbashev was unreal in playoffs, but yeah. Smith I was no slouch uh, either. So, Yeah, I think... I think Barbashev is one of those guys who just got uh, a very good money bag, and he's probably not going to live up to that. <laughs> I mean, it's Vegas, so I hope so. But yeah. um, you know what? Yeah, he's in the right environment for it. So yeah, it's just a pretty, pretty cutthroat move. So you know, um, I was expecting something like this, um, and it just didn't take very long for them to do it. So yeah, I mean, I think it's ultimately like a good move for them, but like it's definitely like a parties over type of move right like riley smith hasn't had his day with the cup yet uh he's already not on the team so it's kind of awkward yeah um anyway move on um just quickly blackhawks got josh bailey um from the islanders he's taking on some cap i think their intention is to buy him out he also got a 2026 second and um, the Blackhawks also got um, Corey um, Perry. Yeah, they already bought it out. <laughs> yeah, and then they got Corey just, Perry, I and I think they signed him to a contract. Um, yeah. And they gave up a 2024 seventh to the Lightning. So, you know, Chicago's the new Arizona in terms of we got to meet the cap floor. <laughs> so, you know. Figure out ways <laughs> to just, yeah, meet the cap floor. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then I guess since we're talking about trades, um, just mention this one, but uh, Detroit Red Wings got Kyler Yamamoto and Quinn Costin, um for for nothing. So what do you think about that one? I'm pretty pissed at it. I get that it had to happen because the Oilers desperately needed that cap space, but I also don't understand why... Like, Yamamoto has struggled, but he's also not a completely invaluable, like, or he he also has value as a player. Like, a feisty third liner who can put up 20 goals and kill penalties. Like, under normal circumstances where Ken Holland isn't talking himself out of value in trades like he apparently seems to have with a Duncan Keith one, um, you would think that would get you something, especially when you add in the signing rights to clean cost in, but, like, that one you know he's had like one okay-ish season in the nhl so i like that one's not a big deal but um i also don't like the optics of this one because this is now just another like sweetheart deal that he's given his former team <laughs> like yeah. in this this like that that part of it kind of bothers me actually that he's just giving valuable players access to valuable players and also a valuable player to his old team for nothing and it goes back to when he started in Edmonton, the Athanasiu trade, 
where it's like, oh, here's two second-round picks for this guy who played, like, 20 games for the team. The Mike Green one was, okay, like, you gave a third-round pick for a depth defender. Like, that's somewhat normal-ish, but I don't like the optics. I don't like the trade. I just get that it had to happen. It just isn't what I would have liked out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I saw a thing where, like, Clem Costin was, like, maybe going to go to the KHL because he wasn't getting mm -hmm. the offer from the Oilers that he wanted, um, which yeah. I think is fine for them to walk away from because of the cap issues they have. Um, but I mean, it just, yeah, I mean, the, the cap space is just a premium, right? Like there's just so many players getting moved for like nothing. Um, so it's just another one that fits that. And, and I know it's, it just sucks cause you know, there's, there's value there, but yeah, well, I guess, I, I mean, I say this and then we also see Kevin Hayes go for a sixth round pick at 50% retained. So like, I guess the value is market at this point when you have, players going for nothing for the cap dump but yeah yeah so it's sucks but it's not like too off base but i, I think it's just yeah. a tough one to swallow because it's like at least you didn't have to give up like any picks or anything right for them to take it on yeah um i think it's a good move for detroit though like if they if they sign costin for cheap you know they've got like so much cap space they could make it happen yeah. well costin um, can because costin wanted two million so they detroit can easily give him like a two by two or something yeah whereas the oilers it's like eh. well they wanted to give him i think it was one or 1.15 yeah so it's understandable um i think yeah, it's just like a low risk move for the red wings to try it out if it doesn't work whatever um Okay, well, I don't I think know if there's any other major trades. There's no major ones, but there is a minor one. That is just kind of cool. <laughs> okay. So, the New Jersey Devils acquired a 2024 seventh from Nashville, and they traded the tw a 2023rd seventh to Nashville this year. And I think this was was. I think it was like the first captain of the Nashville Predators Tom was Fitzgerald, Tom Fitzgerald yeah. Yeah. current GM of the Devils. So, you know, Tom Fitzgerald, now GM of the Devils, like we just said, gives Nashville one last pick in the seventh round for David Poyle to make his final selection as an NHL GM. I just thought that was a little cool, a little cool thing. It was, yeah. I mean, like at the draft, it was in Nashville, David Poyle's, officially retiring, handing the reins to Barry Trotz. Um, he made the first round pick, and then I think it was Trotz after that, and then this was his last one. So it's a really cool moment. Um, also, the last trade, if you're looking at cap-friendly, the Columbus Blue Jackets got uh, seventh in this year's draft from Vegas for uh, 2024. That was the last pick in the draft. And they picked it up because Tyler Peddle, who they picked, was in attendance at the draft. And they wanted to pick him because he showed up. <laughs> so That's actually kind of cool. So, like, they wanted to give his family, like, that was there, like, a, yeah. a moment, right? So, and That's, he was, like, he, he had, like, a cool quote after where he was, like, you know, like, I want to make, I'm going to work my ass off to make them know that, like, this was a, this was worth it. Yeah. Oh, that is. I just thought it was a, a cool, cool moment for the Blue Jackets, right? Like they, yeah. they 
they knew that that kid was there in attendance made his way to, to Nashville to be there for the draft and then the very last pick they make sure that they pick yeah. up that's a that's a w move for everybody involved yeah so i thought that was that was pretty cool um so the last two trades on cap friendly pretty pretty cool um and if you just look at them in the list you have no idea <laughs> um but but yeah um so i guess speaking of columbus let's let's jump into like the the top three um of the draft so obviously Connor bedard went first overall um and then the the Anaheim Ducks were second. They picked Leo Carlson, which was a bit of a surprise to some people, but um, there wasn't really a consensus on the number two and three spot. Like, they were the same guys, but some scouts had them reversed. Um, but I think more people thought Adam Fantilli was going to go second. He ended up going yeah. third to Columbus. <coughs> yeah, Fantilli at second was the more... Um, consensus opinion that was kind of where everyone expected him to but it sounds like columbus and fantilli are a good fit they both were quite high on each other's you know destination or does like destination board basically yeah i mean there's a there's a clip from like may and adam fantilli said he wanted to go to columbus because like a bunch of the guys at the university that he plays at um are there like I think like Zach Rorensky, I don't know who else, but there's a few guys that play there, so he wanted to go there. Um which is cool to see a guy wanting to go to Columbus because that's not really a thing. But now Next it is thing you know, we're gonna see row. players want to go to Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um so I thought that was cool. Um, you know, a guy gets to go where he wants. Um you know, I think he's a, he's going to be great. I mean, I think Columbus has never really had that like dominant center type of player. Um, no, that's so some that. something that they've routinely been missing, and I think they're still trying to find that piece. A couple of their prospects right now are centers, but they haven't really jumped into the league yet. So maybe maybe that'll be Fantilli's role. Mm -hmm. So that one was a little bit surprising. Um, but not not too much of a swap, I guess. Um, Sharks drafted Will Smith. They played the Fresh Prince of Bel Air theme song in the arena. Um, David Reinbacker was the first defenseman drafted. Everybody else was a center. That was a bit of a reach, I think, for Montreal. Um, but some people had him in the top ten, um, so it wasn't too much of a surprise. Um, Have but you there heard, were some people uh, who were shocked by that. Yeah, I was going to say, there's apparently a whole lot of um, backlash from the fans, like even worse than the Kotkaniemi one, that um, there's... I'm trying to find it here. There's a there's an article in The Athletic here. Um, that key like key takeaways from the article that the house players had an eye-opening experience seeing the fan backlash to this pick and that Reinbacher may be kept with Cloten, which I'm assuming yeah, his team he might be kept over in Europe to avoid exposing him to further backlash oh, man. like that's how severe that was 
and uh it was did you see that quote from uh kent hughes where he's like yeah he might be a two number two defender he's never gonna really lead the power play it's like oh you're really you're really selling him there <laughs> yeah which like i i get like if you're not drafting him for that i think they have um lane hudson in the system who's like much more suited to that role so yeah. it's not like you need ryan backer to be you know a number one power play quarterback you can have him be your like shut down your stalwart in the back end if you need him it sounds like they might keep ryan backer over in switzerland to avoid more fan backlash which is, i mean did they who did they want mitchkov i don't know i'm like i'm looking below and like who would they have taken would they have taken ryan leonard like what were they hoping for in that because the main players were all taken already like the top four was kind of the top four and then the draft was supposed to start at five i mean it was a bit surprising like i think um on the on the draft they were um saying that this was like potentially not the best player available but i think if they're drafting by position it makes sense i mean he was one of the highest rated defensemen so yeah I do think if that's their strategy, I think a, using a top five pick on positional need is a mistake. I think you, especially top five, maybe top 10, maybe even into the 15th, like you just take the best player available because that's the one that's going to give you the most value moving forward. I think if, if that's their plan, then they did just make a mistake. But um, like they obviously identified a particular player that they wanted. Maybe maybe they have enough in the forward prospect pipeline or in what's within the organization that they didn't need another forward and that's why they focused on a defender i guess so um should also mention that carry price absolutely bombed um announcing the pick just totally forgot his name um so yeah we they, i think they if it was up to price they would have just drafted david <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, um, one one quick interruption because this just fits in what we were talking about earlier. I just saw that the uh, Blackhawks signed Corey Perry to a one-year, four million dollar deal. Yeah, I can't remember if you mentioned that before or not. Yeah, they signed him. It's a lot for Corey Perry, but yeah. So they've got Felino and Perry making it eight million dollars next year. <laughs> yeah, I guess they'll another. Um, when Corey Perry get MVP or did he get Conn Smythe in um, playoffs? I think he had both. Or did he get a Richard or something? He's he has individual hardware. One sec. Yeah. So. NHL, yeah, he's he's got a heart trophy and he's got a rocket Richard. Yeah. So. I guess. Yeah, veteran to talk to Bedard. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, back to the draft. I just couldn't remember if you mentioned that before. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I think David Renbacker, like he's he's one of the guys that I wanted the Caps to pick actually. Um, so I thought it wasn't like too far away from like, you know, where he was projected, but it was a shock, I think. But you know, Moritz Sider was a shock and in his scouting people say he kind of looks a lot like cider did so 
think he's a little smaller. Um, offense, I think, is not quite as there, but who knows? Um, the next pick, Arizona picked Dmitry Simashev, which was also a shock. Mm-hmm. Both their picks, actually, they picked six and twelve, were both um, kind of surprising. Um, they picked guys from the same team, um, actually. <laughs> which, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Kind of cool. Both defensemen they were, from the same they, team. They were pretty excited. Yeah. Um, um, I think they were focusing on guys who wanted to be there, too. Yeah. Um, um, but, I mean, like, it's not like he's he had bad scouting, uh, Simashev. Like, he's one of the best athletes, I think, in the in the draft. So um, it was just a bit of a surprise because Mishkov fell to the Flyers. He got picked there. Um, you know, he at times was number two. Um, and apparently he met like secretly with the Flyers and convinced them that he wanted to be there. Um, whereas the buzz before that came out was that he, o- he only wanted to go to the Capitals. Um, even the Capitals scout said that Mitchkov is one of the worst players he's ever seen in terms of his disrespect to everyone on his team, his coaches, his pl- his teammates, his trainers. <laughs> wow! <laughs> like press everything. So oh, I'm that's I, that's uh, uh, that's damning. So I think a lot of Caps fans wanted Mitchkov because it's like, oh, it's. Let's bring one Russian superstar in while the other one's career ends. And I'm kind of happy that it's not going to happen that way because it's like Ovechkin is his own guy. Mishkov is his own guy. Like, you don't, it's not one to one. Like, it's like yeah. no player can replace Ovechkin. Well, to put that pressure on any single player would be horrific to do. Yeah, and, and you just take a quick look at their bio biographical information you've got Ovechkin he's like what 6'4 230 pounds something like that Mitchkov's 5'10 and he clocks in 172 <laughs> like it doesn't matter how good of a scorer he is he's not replacing Ovechkin in the lineup <laughs> yeah so I, I think it's I think it's like I'm personally fine with the fact that they didn't get him I was kind of rooting for him to fall just because I thought it was like if there was a team out there that could get him out of his KHL contract it would be the Capitals um. So uh, for that reason, I wanted the Caps to take him because it's like, oh, he might be a really good pick this late. Um, and then they could get him. But I'm perfectly cool with Ryan Leonard as their pick. Yeah. Um, he is, um, by all accounts, like not a passenger on that line. I think he played with like Will Smith and um, Oliver Moore or Perot maybe. Um. But his numbers are insane. He's like the best at, on that line at like getting the line, um, getting into the zone zone entries. Um, he looks super creative, like a good passer, um, physical guy. Um, well, his his most common comparison I kept seeing was the Matthew Kachuk. And after after this season with the Matthew Kachuk factor, like throughout the playoffs, especially that was the thing that I kept seeing come up is like teams want their Matthew Kachuk. They want their Matthew Kachuk clone on their team like now. And everything pointed towards Ryan Leonard being that guy. Yeah, like there's a quote where it's like he's a, his game is built for playoffs. Um, you know, he's a hard-nosed guy that plays above his size, um, but he's still not like tiny. But um, 
I'm super happy with that pick. Um, yeah, he looks like a really, really dynamic forward um, and plays a two-way, 200-foot game, too. Um, good skating. So I think it's I think it's a really good pick. I saw on the Caps subreddit that people were really butthurt that they didn't get Mitchkov and that the team didn't mortgage their entire future to pit to trade up, um, which would have been a mistake. Um, this de- this draft is so deep that you didn't need to do that. Mm-hmm. I think at the draft, it, uh, GM Brian McClellan did basically say that this was their plan B he said that like something along the lines of like we didn't think he'd be available at this point um, but our plan B was to choose him so it's like I think they wanted Minchkov but like I said I'm, I'm kind of happy it works out this way because he looks like he's going to be an absolute beast and I don't think he's that far away from like coming into the lineup he looks like no. he could be ready pretty quick yeah, players players like that where they already have the physical tools in their game, they seem to be a quicker adjustment to the NHL because they can at least come in and contribute in some way and engage with the game in a way that um, other players can't. Yeah, yeah. So I think he's he's gonna play uh, in college, NCAA. Um, I think he's got to work on like maybe some some. Um, making a better play at times um but he looks like he's gonna be a good good pick so i'm happy with that um move on i guess the number nine pick detroit kind of went with a little bit of a reach um depends on which scouting report you looked at but they picked nate danielson um they're like elite prospects had him at 26 um this is the guy that connor bedard said was the hardest guy to play against in the whl center um, and that, like, it's kind of weird because like on some scouting reports they said like he'll be like a second line center but some of them said he was like better than that so it's th- it's Iserman so I think he might <laughs> like know you know what he's doing um, but people thought it was a bit of a surprise um, and that he would be available at the time of the next Detroit pick which was 17 they identify who they want and he's there you know yeah if you kind of tunnel vision in on a certain player and it seems like the trend was that it was going to be hard for any teams to make a trade up so like you said if maybe they didn't anticipate he'd still be there at 17 then it's the safest the safest option just to take him now Mm -hmm. even even if they might be leaving you know some other talent on the table but looking at the picks after that, you know, they they need a center in their prospect pool in their organization. And, you know, the the, the picks, you know, after that, all the all the top centers were, you know, top the top four picks, so a bit of a drop off there, and then they might just identify him as like we need a center, he's the best center left. Yeah. Well that's something I forgot to mention for Ryan Leonard. Um He's a play driver, but he also played every position from at forward. So I think he could he could be a center. I think he was drafted as and this position I think was listed as a winger, but I think he yeah. only did that because he was playing for the national team development program. But he did play every position. So, so Ryan Leonard is basically going to be like the 
the like essential fantasy hockey player in the future. <laughs> where he's going to have every forward position eligibility, and he's going to put up uh, stats in every category. Yeah, I'm. He's I'm really like happy with that player. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm so pumped that that's the the guy that they got in their first top ten pick in a while. Um, the Blues picked Dalibor Dvorsky. Um, I think he was kind of like right around where he should have been picked. Um, uh, I think his skating might be something to work on. Um, the Canucks, the Canucks picked Tom Willander, who I think is like uh, was not projected to be one of like the top defensemen picked, but he's still like I think he's projected to go around around here. I it's just I kind of like your, see your his preference. Name without without saying Willie Nylander. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like his entire career now I'm just going to I'm just going to see him as Tom Willie Nylander. <laughs> yeah, I think this was definitely like a draft interview pick because apparently he loved like the Canucks growing up because of the Sedins. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think that they were like we want to be here. We're going to draft you. Seems yeah. like a really good player, and he's the Swedish kid that's going into the NCAA. Um, so that seems kind of interesting that he'll go and learn to play on North American ice in college. I don't know how many times that's really happened. Um, yeah, it's it's not the most common thing in the world. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of cool. Um, and then Buffalo got Zach Benson at thirteenth, and he was projected in some some draft list to be like number five. Um, I, I was I was surprised of his size fell. maybe, but pretty cool. Um, could be a potential steal here. He's a, um, he's a very um, probably like a high risk high reward type pick maybe. If that's if there's you know reasons in his game he fell, but you've got Buffalo, a team that's already pretty stacked with prospects and talent, and then it sounds like he is one of the smartest and most talented players in this draft. So for him to get a chance to go to Buffalo and, and you know join up with what they already have there with like Peyton Krebs and like Thompson establishing himself like that could be a very good opportunity for him to just go and shine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Matthew Wood, uh, he's a Nanaimo kid from Vancouver Island. I think he's born in like Alberta, but basically Nanaimo played minor hockey in Nanaimo, got drafted. Um, so by Poyle, always, by the National always Predators. Always cool to uh, have the have the local guy get a shout out on your podcast. So congrats to Matthew Wood. Very cool. Top fifteen pick. Um, and then Detroit picked Axel Sandin Pelika at seventeen, um, who some people thought would be one of the top defensemen drafted. Um, so I thought this was a good pick for them. Um, that they basically got a super talented offensive d- defenseman here um really good skater um that was that was good but then this next pick with the uh winnipeg jets picking colby barlow that one i think is also a potential steal but he also he's like 30 <laughs> <laughs> i was trying to think about how to work that joke in but like you know winnipeg winnipeg gets a player who's going to be nhl ready because he's already been developing for 12 seasons <laughs> he's gonna be able to step in the lineup and replace whoever gets bought out and traded. I also I think it was Colby Barlow, but they said that he was like the Scholastic Player of the Year from the CHL or something. So like he was like had like the highest 
grade average or something. <laughs> so like they were like saying that like he's just like a smart smart guy. So um <laughs> that was interesting. I mean one of the players, I can't remember who it was, but I texted you as like his hidden talent was like building Lego or something. So Yeah. I can't remember who that was either. Still like seventeen, eighteen, yeah. right? So um, I can't remember who that was either, but I just said his uh, blocks per sixty is through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't remember who it was either, but it was it was pretty funny. Yeah, let me check. Um, but um, oh, apparently that's a really that was a really good pick. Like he's like a community type player and like someone that could be like they were saying that this could be a f- potential future captain. Like he's that type of guy. Um, so I think it was a good good pick. Um, yeah, you want the veterans to be your captain. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it was uh, it was Samuel Hanzik, the uh, uh, Calgary Flames pick at 16. Right, Vancouver Giant guy. Um, yeah, and then um, Chicago picked um, half right after that Colby Barlow pick, so number 19 overall, and they picked Oliver Moore, who was, um, I think, the center on Ryan Leonard's line. Um, he was He was projected to go much higher than this. Um, I think he's the he's the best. Um, he has the best skating ability in the draft. He's very very fast, really really great skater. Um, I think he might be a little bit smaller, but I thought this was a good pick. Like he could, if they move him over to wing or something, and he plays with Bedard, like he's got he's got a lot of talents. So that could that could be good for them. Um, and then the only other thing I really had comments on in the first round was the Toronto pick mm. and they picked Easton Cowan, who I think was, um, like, I think he was like in the sixties or forties or something on some scouting reports, like, like a super big, um, I guess not super, but like a bit of a reach, but also, Toronto had, like, no picks, so they basically must have identified their guy. And he plays in London, so I think, like, they probably saw a lot of him. And apparently his work ethic is, like, immense. The yeah, I think kid. he, um, I think he's, I mean, obviously probably was a Leafs fan. There was some talk about him, like, watching Marner growing up or something. I saw the picture, yeah. Yeah, so I think he's just, like, someone they probably looked a lot at, at um, but other teams saw uh, the hockey media said it was a bit of a reach but the the draft was pretty deep i saw some people were saying like this is basically like one and a half um first rounds just like the amount of talent that's available um so i thought it was maybe a bit of a reach but like ultimately like not not really um yeah i don't know anything else about the first round that you had comments on um, one that I wanted to just make a brief comment on was the Nashville Predators at 24 took a Tanner Mullendyke. Um, listening to some stuff throughout the season, it sounds like this was one of like the really intriguing prospects that some people had ranked really high, some had him really low. And some of the scouting reports I had on him, it's like he's, he's a smaller, but he's an extremely mobile defender. Like, he's one of the best skating defenders in the draft. And he uses that mobility in an incredible way to just, like, shut down opposing chances and, and you know, kind of make up for his lack of size. 
and one kind of just interesting parallel with the Predators organization that it stood out to me was um, looking back to Kimo Tiemann in like one of their one of if not their first ever draft pick like way back in the day that yeah. um, Tiemann in as well like smaller but smaller but extremely mobile defender and um, I just thought it was interesting that parallel like you know early early Predators draft pick to getting the new GM in new era in Nashville and they get a similar player in the first round but team in and spent a lot of time in Nashville and that's kind of um, a similar a similar play style yeah he did, he did not get drafted by Nashville however he was drafted by LA um, yeah so lots of goalies drafted in the second round um, which was interesting to see nobody really wanted to take a stretch with the kind of the depth skaters available um the 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 capitals second round pick i just want to quickly mention was andrew crystal um he's one of like bedard's lower mainland buddies um he was projected to be like around tw 15 20 and he, he got picked at 40th overall um so i think that could be a potential steal um, his skating apparently needs to w to be worked on. He's a bit smaller of a guy, so if he gets like stronger, it should, sh and hopefully he works on that. Um, but I, well, I think I sent you a video. I don't know. I'm not sure if you watched it yet, but like his his IQ looks off the charts. Like his just his his creativity and his passing and his offense looks like unreal. So I think it was a good pick. Um, and he just needs to get that skating um, improved. Um, and then just otherwise in the, the draft, um, we mentioned in the last episode that the wings were going to have three picks <laughs> in the second back to back to back. It was like 41, 42 and 43. They eventually, they actually traded that 43 pick and got another pick, um, and got like, they traded down in the, in the second for that one to 47th. And then Steve Eiserman drafted a guy that was like ranked around 120. <laughs> with that pick so it's like <laughs> I, yeah like uh, i can see why you traded down because your guy was for sure gonna be, be available yeah no kidding um so that was kind of an interesting one um and then i, I texted you earlier today but uh, montreal ended up drafting um florian jackai so they have both both of those bros in their system now which is actually pretty cool both I think the that's Costco uh, boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's awesome. Um, I unfortunately Florian is not a defender, so we can't have a Jack Eye Jack Eye pairing. But you know, yeah, he has a lot less penalty minutes in the, <laughs> the OHL than his brother did. Um, yeah, pretty cool. Um, there's a lot of like relatives of NHL players in this draft. Like Oliver Bonk was a guy that got drafted in the first. I'm, I'm just son. excited for Bonk to be back in the NHL. There was a um, uh, Perot. That was Yannick Perot's son. Um, There's Marcel Marcel. Not related to anybody, probably, but just a good name. A cool name. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, Pionk's brother was drafted. Can't remember by who. Um, uh, I just scrolled past it, Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It was, I, I thought the Capitals did really well. Um, I don't know anything about the guys that the Oilers drafted, but neither do I. Our <laughs> <laughs> first pick was what round three or four? Um, 
I forget the guy's name already. Two. I thought it was the second. Bo Bo Aki. Oh yeah, yeah, that's who it was. All right. Um, apparently he's kind of like an offensive defender who was doing really well until Brant Clark came back, and then Clark took over the team, and then he didn't score as much. But apparently, if if he would have kept up that pace all season, he would have been like eighth in defenders uh, in the OHL in scoring. So cool. Um, Capitals drafted uh, French goalie, like France French, <laughs> yep. um, which is kind of interesting. And apparently, the first ever um, Italian-born player was drafted this year. Oh, really? So also kind of. Kind of neat. Um, but yeah, the Flames I mean, I drafted guess... a goalie named Yegor Yegorov. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a definitely a lot of all name team guys that were drafted this year. Uh, like the um, Islanders got Dennis Goodbog, <laughs> and yeah. it's like Good and Bog are two separate words. Yeah, yeah. The um, the Seattle Kraken drafted some good names. Like they had Oscar Fisker Molgard and Lucas Dragachevic, who was a um, guy who lit up the W. Charles of D-Man in the second round. Yeah, that's um, that's that's a pick I like for Seattle. Yeah, I think I think the scouting is his skating needs to improve too. But I mean, if the offensive instincts are there, like you know, you can get a skating coach and work on skating. Yeah. Um, but the instincts are there, and then they also drafted Visa Vedenpa and Zeb Forsfjall and Zachariah Wisdom. <laughs> that's just those are good names. <laughs> So I think Zachariah Wisdom seems like a very Pacific Northwest type name. So <laughs> I think that's a, that's a solid, solid pick. Um, but overall, I think that WHL like dominated um, the first round. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of like BC um, guys drafted too. So it was kind of a cool, cool to see that. Like, yeah, just usually it's like OHL, OHL, OHL. But this year, a lot of dub. Um, and some BCHL guys too, which is cool. Yeah, which is which is always good because I mean, the BCHL recently broke off of the CHL and they're kind of doing their own thing. So it's good to see high level prospects making their way through the BCHL, getting to the NHL because it's just a sign that the league's going to hopefully be okay on its own and still attract talent to come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Alex Newhook earlier, right? He's a mm-hmm. Victoria, BCHL guy. Um, and so I think Matthew Wood played BCHL and um, Bradley Nadeau, which who was the Carolina Hurricanes pick, um, played on the Penticton Vs. Um, his brother also played on the Penticton Vs, and I just want to check to see if he um, got drafted as well because I was kind of hoping that um, Carolina would pick both of them um, because I thought that would be kind of kind of neat um let's see because they're going to play together in college uh next season uh university of maine um so i was like oh draft both (laughs) um he was not drafted his brother's name is josh um he had 110 points in the BCHL in 54 games. 
Now, it's it's worth noting that the Penticton Bees are an absolute wagon of a team the last couple seasons, and they've only lost like a handful of games each year. So players' numbers are likely to be a tiny bit inflated. <laughs> yeah. I just thought it was interesting because like, his brother, like the younger one, had like three more points <laughs> in one less game. And then the older brother is just, he's like 19, um, has 110 points not drafted so i don't know if i'm carolina I'd, i'm keeping an eye on that <laughs> that brother and you know be maybe signing him as well um yeah i think that'd be kind of uh, kind of cool and then one last guy that um i just wanted to mention um was that um winnipeg jets drafted uh thomas millich who was the goalie for the Seattle Thunderbirds in the Memorial Cup. So he was in the draft um, again as a 20-year-old, and he got picked this time in round five. Um, He he played good in the um, regular season for Seattle, played good in playoffs, and made it to the finals in the Memorial Cup. So it's kind of cool to see a guy go back into the draft and get chosen after potentially being maybe like a bit of a the steal, a la- like a later yeah. bloomer type goalie, as far in terms of like WHL. I mean, he's been in the WHL for a number of years, but um, well, he's a name that I've cool. heard around the last few years too. So it's you know it's cool to see him finally get taken, and you kind of hope, you know, goalies being voodoo magic and all, you kind of hope that he finds his way in into the NHL soon. Yeah, well, I think he was on like the um, Team Canada, wasn't he? That's um, probably where I know his name from. Um, so, yeah, World Junior Team. So, cool, cool to see a guy kind of turn it on, um, as a, as a 20-year-old and get picked. Um, is there anybody else in the draft that you wanted to, um... That wraps things up for this time here on Clappercast. Make sure you rate and review this episode and toss a follow or subscribe our way. For more content, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Clappercast Media or on Twitter at Clappercast. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with more Hockey Talk.